DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. Sources. MTA, Utah's MTA will be in the Sunshine Slam in Daytona, November 20 to 21. Wish you were on the Utes beat on a no. trip to Daytona. No. Back in the day. No, I'm done with that. You went to the Caribbean and Maui. That was exciting at the time, but been there, done that. Utes, Tulsa, Rhode Island, and Boston College. Josh Newman tweeting that out. Hey, Rhode Island, Lamar Odom in walking through that door. <laughs> Famous Rhode Island Rams. Ready, go. That's all I got. <laughs> We're done. I don't have anybody else for you, Rhode Island. College basketball setting their tournaments, getting their schedules uh, in order. Well, I think the big news there is that they're actually going to have that stuff. That's great news. We all want everything to return the way it was, all the good stuff anyway, when, relative to sports, and that's scheduling games throughout wherever they may be playing. Yeah, sure. That's what it's all about, right? And we didn't have that. It was watered down last year, and teams were missing weeks at a time and whatnot, and Nobody wants that. We want the start of the hoop season to start when it's supposed to start and continue on is, as is, and see what happens when we get to March. Well, we'll get to college basketball when we get to it. The NBA front and center right now. Three playoff series tied 2-2. And the Suns sitting over there with a sweep of the Nuggets, resting up for the conference finals. But everybody else, six other teams, title hopes hanging in the balance and the Jazz needing a bounce-back game. Oh, for sure they do, yeah, to the highest level. I believe they got it in them. I'm excited to see what they have a, an opportunity to prove. This is what it's about, man. And Donovan Mitchell has lived this. You know, this guy has been doubted. There's no doubt he's been doubted. And now he gets the opportunity to prove that, hey, he's worthy. And we're worthy. And he really can show. There's a lot of doubt and a lot of negative energy flowing around. I don't know that it's necessarily flowing around inside the team, but I think it's flowing around right now as far as outside the team. So for all the things we can go over that went wrong in Game 4, and there's a long list of them, you know, there's uh, it's been a, I don't know how many decades now. You know, you follow the stars, and the stars determine how teams go, and Kawhi Leonard... And Paul George both scored in the 20s in the two games here in Utah, and the Clippers lost. They have both scored in the 30s in the two games in L.A., and they won. Yeah. And I know we should focus on defense, and we talk too much about offense. And I know it's a team game, and we focus a lot on the stars. But, man, you look at those stats, and it's hard to say. And I know there's other stuff going on, and the Jazz aren't getting enough out of their bench, and you know they're not getting anything, and Mike Conley hasn't played in the four games in this series. But I look at the Jazz' ability to defend Paul George and defend Kawhi Leonard, I think a lot of the competence of the fan base has clearly been shaken. That's what you're referencing as far as the negativity. You know, it is what it is inside the team. And it, but in the fan base, we know there's negativity and there's doubt and all that. I think it goes back to when the series started, there was this faith that Paul George would come up small. The Jazz could defend him. Joe would get in his head. He has had so many postseason struggles, he would mess himself up, possibly. But one way or another, however it happened, 
Whatever the cause was, and maybe it wouldn't even be the same every game, Paul George wasn't going to come through. But Paul George is coming through, and Kawhi Leonard's coming through, and the two games they come through in, the biggest, that's the win. So is it as simple in Game 5 as how do you defend Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? No. Because I think a guy like Mark he- or uh, Marcus Morris, 24 points himself, I think that was, that was nasty. You can't really have that. And Reggie Jackson in the other game did it. Now, Reggie only took four shots, so he wasn't needed offensively because Morris had it going on, right? Five of six from three. Well, you better win when you shoot like that. And they did. So what you, what, it's not exclusively defend those two guys. But that's a significant portion of it. But also don't let Morris go off because how much different would have that been? I believe, and this is nothing against Marcus Morris because I think it's more uh, universal that role players almost by definition are front runners. So I'm not going to call him out as an individual front runner. They play better at home, and they're not expected to be good every game. So one role player has a big game in game three. Another role player has a big game in game four. So we get that. That's how it's supposed to work. Well, you're up 13 in the first quarter, whatever it was. I don't know that that necessarily was literally. It got to 17 at the end of the quarter. Right, but I'm talking about you're up at 13 at the time. You get the ball, and you shoot. Well, what pressure is there in the moment? Zero. You're not down by 13. So that's what being a front runner is. And yes, the Stars have set the tone because they both played extremely well. And they got a combined 23 free throws. They got 19 freebie points. That's a lot of uh, allowing those two guys to get to the line that much. And so with that in mind, I don't expect those guys, particularly George, maybe he surprised me, although I've been tooting his horn now for a while because I think he's a fantastic player. And so... Uh, he's very capable in my mind. I don't know what went on before, but all I know is what I see now. And, man, he's just lighting it up. He he plays so very well. Uh, But maybe he comes back a little bit, and you don't have these role guys. And and Zubac scoring eight points, you know, and three for three with dunks. Dunks and tippins. That that bothers me to to an extent. Uh, So... There's several different things, components of a game that can happen, good or bad, that allow you to win. And the Jazz have stuff that just by showing up, the Clippers may not be as good. And then, of course, you can do stuff to limit their effectiveness even more. And then your guys need to get going. And Gobert, man, you got to get more out of Gobert. He's not having enough impact offensively. And uh, the bench, Niang, obviously just picked a bad, bad time to go into a funk. He hasn't made a a positive impact in the series. No. And he has during the regular season at times in the Grizzlies series, but not in this one. And, And the bench as a whole was 4 of 20 shooting the ball. I mean, that's... Yeah, the bench is coming up weak right yeah. now. And it's like, with without Conley, the bench, any substantial stuff, is Clarkson and nobody else. And if Conley's back, then Ingles goes to the bench and can pump it up a little bit. Because Ingles shot the ball really well in Game 4. Doesn't ultimately matter, but... I guess, so I guess how it matters is, does it give you confidence going forward? Well, he should have his yeah. confidence. Yeah, there's no question about that. He should have his confidence. Uh, I mean, he's, he's 
proven. He's in my mind, he's a proven commodity, so he should have his confidence in whatever role. And he's very valuable because you can, you know, as uh, Quinn Snyder referred to him as the utility player that we reference in baseball, it can play num- numerous positions and be productive and come up with a hit to come up with a, you know, a ground ball to advance a runner, all the little things in baseball that you can, you know, the pass that leads to the pass in basketball that gets you the assist, whatever it might be. Uh, so we see the comparisons that Quinn Snyder was making so Joe will be fine. Uh, but I think the biggest shot right now, maybe just for morale purposes, is Conley. Because I think if he is introduced in the starting lineup, everyone's going to be enthused. And they'll come out uh, tomorrow with an injury report. And uh, you know, maybe it says probable. If it says probable, <laughs> that's good news. That's great news. We all want to see him play. If it says probable, then I would expect he plays. I'm que- thinking he does. If he says questionable, then, well, it, there's a couple reasons to think he does. One, it's two weeks, and Locke said early on, when he's been out, he's always been out at least two weeks. And we're at the two-week point So we're tomorrow. at the two weeks, so maybe he's coming back. And then, if you're going to play him at 70 or 80%, well, it seems like you'd play him when times are desperate and the game is big, and you're not certain there's a future to try and get him healthy for. Oh Yeah, all that... Absolutely. All that within mind, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I don't think they'll come out and say that. I think they'll just say he was ready to oh, go. No, and, they, they don't, they don't right. say that. They begin, you don't want to say, wow, it's just real dire straits here. We're putting <laughs> him in, hoping for the best. I mean, that's an awful message to send. So I don't think you would say that anyway. Even if it's true, uh, you wouldn't say it. And then the good thing about it is when he has played in these situations, when he resumes playing, it doesn't seem like there's an acclimation period. It seems like he, he's ready to go. And so that's a positive. When you're getting Mike Conley back, you're getting high-level Mike Conley. You're not getting Mike Conley, oh, i got to work my way back in. Because there's no time to be working your way back in, right? <laughs> you know, we're running out of time. Too, too. Win or lose, you're running out of time in this series. And so that's a positive, too, is that this has happened so frequently that when he does return, he hits the ground running and all that stuff. So it will be a positive addition this this game here to me is like one of the most intriguing games this franchise has ever played. How is it different than all the other series they played where it's 2-2 and it's a big game? In 97 and 98, they go to the NBA Finals. They were 2-2 with Houston both years. Mm-hmm. One was best of five, and they were actually down 2-1. to Because they had Jordan sitting out there. And it's yeah. in retrospect. So, it's so easy. now we know. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, when Stockton has a shot to send them to the Finals, well, they were 2-2. Because Jeff Hornacek rolled the dice defensively and Eddie Johnson hit a shot to tie the series. If he missed it, it would have been a different deal and Sloan was going nuts, but they came back and won the series. I don't remember that crap at all. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Not the way you recall it as if it's a vision right in front of your face and you're looking at it play out. I was in the arena of the game and it was incredible. It doesn't matter where you are. You're going to be on planet Mars. I'm not going to recall it. It's so big deal. But that's you don't need to apologize for it. It's awesome that you do it. I can't do that. Uh, but here, there's no Jordan sitting out there. I will give you that then when they were uh, 2-2 with uh, the Lakers and Pau Gasol and those guys, uh, Kobe's championship teams there at the end, his, I don't know if his fourth or fifth title was one of them. It did, in that one, to your point, it didn't feel to me, it was like it was, it was a miracle they got to 2-2 and they weren't winning the series. Kobe was not going to allow it. Pau Gasol was not going to allow it. It was not happening. And so here it could happen. But you're right, in some of those situations, even though it was big at the time, you, there was a roadblock. Yeah, and I don't see this 
this massive wide open. Mount Olympus there's, roadblock. There. There's seven teams still playing, right? You got the Suns who are through, and you got these three series at two two, and who would you dismiss as not a title contender? Atlanta, maybe. Uh, maybe nobody at this point. Even Atlanta could win it all. That would be because a there's not a big out roadblock of- out there. It's not necessarily relative to them. It's what's out there. There isn't this There's no beast. Mega super team, 65 win. The, the Nets, but they're, they're all ravaged with injury. Yeah, I'd pick the Nets. You, you identified the Nets early on. We made fun of you saying, oh, they should be worried about the Nets. What was that, like in January? And we're laughing, the Nets, we talk about. Well, here we are. We're not in January anymore. And the Nets healthy. They're a formidable opponent, but they're not healthy. So And nobody cares whether you're healthy or you're not. It's not like, well, yeah, but. And they win okay. the title, they win the title. Yeah. So that's why this, this series, this game, because this is a turning point game, and all 2-2 games are a series. Game five's always game. big. Yeah. yeah. And so with that in mind, they legitimately could win the title. I don't know how many times I could have said that. Now, I'm going in retrospect because it's not like I discounted him in 70, uh, 97 and 98, but it's easy to see now with the legend of Jordan and last summer with the, what do they call it? I don't even remember what they called it, the series thing. Yeah. Uh, the TV thing that they did uh, with on, on uh, ESPN. What was the name of that? The documentary. It didn't have a. Uh, di- it had a name, didn't it? It did. Yeah. Six. Come on, guys. The last dance. The last there you dance. Go. Yeah. DJ so, comes so, to so, so, again, he can recall stuff. It's awesome brain, that he does. Brain that. kicks in eventually. And so you know, and I got that fresh in my mind. So yeah, of course they want to get. Weren't going to get past Jordan. People get past LeBron, but they don't get past Jordan in the finals. No, those are facts. All you LeBron lovers, and I love the guy too, but he's not Jordan. People got past LeBron in the finals. Nobody got past Jordan. So it's easy to say, well, of course the Jazz weren't going to win that. Nobody did. And here, I really believe that they can. So that's why I see it's a massive difference. Get by the Clippers. The Clippers very well could be well. I hope we find out because that means the Jazz win. But the, the Clippers could be literally the most difficult test. If the Jazz go on to two more rounds after this, we might be able to say, well, that was the toughest test that they had to get by. And they actually needed that because that sharpened them up and all blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And so you can go on. We don't, I don't know any of that, but you can, it's conceivably to, conceivable to make that argument fairly easily. So that's why this is so pivotal. And to me, it's most pivotal at least since then. Maybe ever with this franchise. Since they've. Yeah. You, this is your recency bias. Maybe ever! <laughs> have they ever have a more legitimate claim to winning the title if they win a series? Now, obviously, the finals. If yeah, they I was about to say the 98 finals. They had, but they weren't they had going home court to win against it. the Bulls. They, they had the experience. Home court against the Bulls was meaningless. They won game one. They had the lead in game two. I mean. You know. Yeah, now that they lost, you can say, well, they were never going to win. Well, well Jordan never they, lost. They, yeah, man, they could have been the one. But they weren't. Could have, would have, should have. Well, I know that. I'm away. <laughs> Thanks, coach. They, they weren't. They were, no one was going to beat Jordan in the finals. That maybe not have been abundantly clear at the think, time, but it's abundantly clear now. I do think that this year has a chance to be the. The, the 04 Pistons, the 2011 Mavericks. This isn't the mega team. It isn't mega stars together, except for the Nets and they're hurt. Um, so there's, and I guess you could say the Lakers got hurt too. It's just, it's a different year. And I think when people are, you know, 
5, 10, 20 years down the line, looking back, and you see some championships and some chunks eras, right? There was an era where the Warriors and the Cavs ruled. And this year may stand out as this was kind of a one-off. This was... This was wide open in a way most years on. It will probably go back and there'll be an era and some star will emerge and some team will emerge. But this does feel like a very unusual one-shot deal. And there's a well, few of them scattered. I don't know. I don't know there's a few a of them scattered deal. over the last 20 years. I don't, I don't know years. the Suns are a one-shot deal. I don't know. You don't that, think that, so? With I, no. Chris Paul at 36 in the history of injuries? You want recency bias, I'll look at it recently, recently as the last game. So, no, I don't think that uh, he's going to be dead next year. No, I'm pretty sure that <laughs> I wasn't gonna kill him by off. Sunday of uh, March 2022, he's going to be alive and playing well. The thing about it is there's plenty of teams out there that you could have legitimately said, if not for Phoenix. Yes. If not for the suspensions of two critical components because then the Spurs went on and wiped out the Nets, if I remember, right? So if the Clippers go on and pulverize the Suns and pulverize whoever is in the uh, East, coming out of the East, then the Jazz could say, man, they were right there. Yeah. You don't want to say you're right there. You want to say you actually won. So that remains to be seen. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen, but it's all conceivable that this is their best chance because if the Clippers go and kick butt, then yes. All right, Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet, is going to join us next. Bumping him back one segment, but he'll be here next to talk playoffs. We'll get his take on the Jazz and what they've got to do to turn things around in Game 5. It's time now for the UNA Golf U.S. Open giveaway. Be caller 12 right now, and you will be assigned... Well, he just made headlines. Bryson DeChambeau apparently will not... Well, actually, he refused to play with Brooks Kepka. They wanted to pair him up, and he refused to do it. Oh, really? That just came out. Nice. So we're giving away Bryson right now. All right, Bryson DeChambeau. Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. If Bryson wins, you'll receive a Callaway staff bag. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. 855-340-ZONE. Be caller 12 and you get Bryson DeChambeau. More golfers all day long. Your chance to qualify right here on The Zone. Fires an off-balance three. He hit it. He hit it. He hit it. We ready for war. The series is all tied up at two. Oh, Our Utah Jazz are back at home to host the Clippers in game five. Tomorrow, the Jazz Live pregame show kicks off at seven with tip off at eight on your home for Utah Jazz basketball. Rise, fire, splash. 97.5, 1280, the zone and the zone sports network. Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scott. He'll announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, good morning. What's up, guys? Clippers uh, by 29. your news. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was not fun to watch. No, it was not. Uh, a lot of things to digest here. Yeah, Paul George is breaking out of his what was uh, considered a reputation as uh, I don't know, choker is the right word, but along those lines, Kawhi is Kawhi. 
The thing that has really gotten under my skin a little bit is guys like Reggie Jackson and then in Game 4, Morris going off. What can the Jazz do to curtail these role players? Because I think by definition, role players, and I don't mean it in a negative manner, but I think they're front runners in that when things are going well with the Stars and we've got a lead, that it makes my job easier and I'm much looser and so I play better. So I think the Jazz need to get a handle on those types of guys. Well, keep in mind those kind of players and whatever we call them. I was one of those. So, like your your role guy, they're all stars somewhere else, right? Yeah. And it's just the nature of of the beast. You know, I could be the best player in California and come to BYU and be the best player in the conference and go to the NBA and be a role player. And that's kind of what some of those guys are, like a Marcus Morris who's bounced around. And, and but those guys tend to play better at home tend to shoot more freely, tend to play better. Uh, I guess an exception is it feels like Reggie Jackson has kind of made shots even in the games in Utah when Utah won. But certainly Marcus Morris making at least his first five threes. I turned the game off in the fourth quarter, so I don't know if he made another one. Guys like that tend to play better when things are going well and the home crowd is behind them. So they fuel off of that. I, I felt that, not as a a college player, but certainly as a pro, I felt that a little bit. When I had the confidence of my teammates, a pass from a bird, you know, a kick out from the post from a McHale was kind of like that vote of confidence. And and that's the way the Clippers played the last two games. But I don't feel like that's the key. I feel like those were, you know, little sub-stories and sub-plots of what's really going on. What's really going on is the defense of the Clippers And the thing that feared me the most at the beginning of the season, which was the length of the Clipper wings. And you're seeing it not only as they guard a Donovan, you know, out front and they guard some of the wing players with Batum and Kawhi and Marcus Morris and Paul George, right? Four interchangeable wings. Uh, You're seeing it on cross-court passes. You're seeing it in the hesitancy of a Boyan Bogdanovich who instead of catch and shoot like he did in the regular season is now catch fake, one dribble, try and make a pass, and the length of those arms are getting deflections. And So that was my biggest fear. Their length on the wings could really stymie what the, the Jazz were trying to do. And my other fear was Rudy had to play like a beast, like Rudy had to play strong, roll with authority, catch, finish. And those two things are not happening, right? Like Rudy's not a factor offensively. I, I I don't know what he finished. He might have finished four for four in the game, but all those buckets late, like threes late by O'Neal and buckets late by Bogdanovich, who ends up with 18, were non-factors in the game. And Rudy gets, I think, four dunks maybe late, even emphatic dunks. Maybe it helps him to come back home with some renewed confidence. But in the first half, he didn't have a touch. He didn't have a point, but maybe a free throw. Mike Smith joining us here, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. So as we uh, watch this unfold, Donovan is putting up huge numbers. He's averaging 37 points a game, which is just outrageous. But it does seem like the defense is just tipped towards him, and the shooting percentage has been dropping each game. And it seems like the Clippers are just going more all-in on the thought. And the coaches can tell them to do it, but the players have to actually do it. But it seems like as a group, they're all buying into the thought like, 
don't let this guy beat us. And if he gets his 35 points or 37 points, he's got to get it on 30 shots. He can't get it on 20. There was a point uh, yesterday in the first half when Donovan's like maybe four for nine from deep and Joe Ingles is three for three. So you're like, Donovan might have been four for ten. So either way, you combine those, they were seven for 13 from deep. And it wasn't even a game in the first half, but I only pointed up to bring out the other guys had open shots and they were collectively like one for 12. And so that therein lies the bigger issue. But if you want to get into the schemes of it, like if you want to get in the X's and O's, what, what the Clippers are doing are exactly what they figured out in the Dallas series is that we need to go small. We need to build a wall, almost like a fortress around Luca and Luca's so good. He got his points. Donovan is so good. He's going to get his points. But just watch what they're doing. I don't hear the announcers on the national networks talking about it at all. They're not talking about the schemes. They are talking about a focus and an emphasis on Donovan. But really, DJ and PK, what they're doing, it's a zone. It's a 3-2 zone. And it could be any guy up front, whether it's Batum, George, Leonard, or Marcus Morris. And wherever Donovan goes, like to the right or to the left, and it's really a problem that Donovan has to play point and has the ball constantly in his hands because it's wearing him down, and he's initiating the offense 40 feet away, also a problem. But one of those front guys, it's really a 3-2-2, you could call it a 1-2-2, he goes with him, right, forces Donovan one way. Donovan's good enough to usually get by. Watch the other two top members of the zone for the Clippers and watch how they form a web and they come and form this second lining or this second layer of defense. So when Donovan beats the first guy, here comes the lining, and the lining is two guys now. Now, granted, that's a ton of open space and open shots for other guys if you can deliver that ball, right? There's only two guys down low for the Clippers on that defense. My suggestion would be, and I'm not an NBA coach, but rather than have Rudy come up and screen for Donovan, that's doing nothing. And that's what the Jazz did all season long. It's doing nothing because even if Rudy screens, that's Rudy and Donovan against three Clippers. There's a guy waiting. Rudy should be down in what's called the dunker spot, right? Just off the paint. Okay. There should be a guy like Ingles or Clarkson, even Boyan at the top of the key or the foul line. Donovan should initiate, get two guys to guard him, then bounce pass to the top of the key. Then Rudy can either duck in or come flash and set a screen. Now you're playing like three on two, four on three. And I just haven't seen that adjustment. And give the Clippers credit. They figured something out in the Dallas series. I think they also figured something out in game two of the the game here at Vivint when they went zone. And for about a six-minute period, it really flustered the Jazz. But Donovan was great in that game, and the home crowd helped the ancillary guys. They made shots. They win games one and two. All of a sudden, everybody's thinking they got this. But that little snippet microcosm of a defensive series by the Clippers opened their eyes, and they said, oh, okay, we can stymie them. That's what we're going to do. And they've morphed it into this 3-2 zone. It's been brilliant. Now, there's not a defense in the world you can do, guys, that can't be countered. So my hope is... Tomorrow night with the, the home crowd and the ancillary guys getting open shots and shooting, there's a little counter by Quinn and staff to kind of facilitate and alleviate the pressure off Donovan. And uh, hopefully shots go down and you can make this a series. But 
uh, it was all Clippers last night, and it was their defense that was the key. If, I guess it's a degree of uh, how big you want to make this if, but if Mike Conley comes back, what does it solve? Well, for one thing, it takes that pressure off Donovan handling the ball, and it might force the Clippers' hand to play defense differently. So if Conley is, you know, comes back and all of a sudden you're traditional, Donovan at the two, Conley at the one, and you start initiating, you might see the Jazz offense as it typically ran during the year. And that would be based on how the Clippers and Ty Lube choose to defend Mike. If Mike is 100%, he can go and he can create freedom off a screen roll and get in the paint. That, that, that might alleviate some of that. Donovan could be free to be you know, now the first recipient and catch the ball in different settings. Now he's looking at one guy to beat and a drive in, and it, it could change everything. But it all listen. If I'm to, if I'm Ty Lue and the Clippers, I wouldn't change a thing. You figured something out in game two. You employed it in game three and four, and you shut down the Jazz offense. If you guys watched the first quarter last night, what did they have? Like eleven or thirteen points. The ball game was over. Like, honestly, it was over. The Jazz outscored the Clippers in quarter number three and beat them badly in quarter number four, and granted, shots went because you're playing in a flurry and maybe the Clippers got the game in hand and now it doesn't matter, so you're letting them go a little more freely. But that game was won in the first quarter last night. So I would love to see a change because hopefully it, it forces the Clippers' hand to play a little differently. So there was an interesting debate, and I just don't think there was a good answer. Um uh... But there might be in Game Five. There's an interesting debate on Twitter about taking favor or taking Gobert out and putting favors in, and it stopped to run. And um, I thought Gobert was tired, and he was certainly in foul trouble, and he still played 32 minutes. But Game Five, you know, the stakes are higher. Maybe you're playing a little bit, quote unquote, with house money in Game Four. But Game Five, the stakes are higher. If he doesn't get in early foul trouble, and I know that's a huge if, do you think we see Rudy for? 38, 40 minutes, because, man, when he goes out, it is clear Ty Lewis told the Clippers, you attack the basket the second that guy steps off the, off the court. It's, 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 it's a good point, DJ. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a catch-22 right now yeah. because Rudy's defense in games one and two was phenomenal, and I really felt like the Jazz schemes against Kawhi were great. Not, not open the floodgates and let him go where he wants, but kind of hound him, force him a certain way, and Rudy was always right there. Like, he just was there. He was ever-present. Kawhi would get... Kawhi was no, nowhere near as effective in games one and two as he was in games three and four. In games three and four, he's got 30 points and did it on 20 shots. In games one and two, he's, he's you know, 10 points less and more shots. But uh, Rudy's ineffective... On the offensive end so far, his inefficiency has, has really nullified what his effectiveness can be on the other end. He's gotten frustrated. He's gotten silly fouls. You can see it on his face. Uh, the Clippers have really tried to take him out of the game, right? They, they play in Zubats last night, I think, 17 minutes. You guys might have the box score in front of you. 18. 17, and if you 18, and if you combine... Gobert and Favors, they had to be 32 for Gobert and maybe 15 for Favors. So you're playing your centers 47, 48 minutes. The Clippers are playing their center 30 minutes less. We're saying, they're saying, we're going small, and you react to us. And typically that's okay. 
Like that, that, that can be fine if Rudy catches and finishes with authority and they can deliver the ball to him. Again, no touches in the first half last night. Part of that is Rudy. Part of that is Clipper smaller players with stronger and lower centers of gravity rooting Rudy out of the paint. Zubats has been really effective moving him off of good rebound positions. Watch Rudy trying to get offensive rebounds. He's kind of doing it from above and trying to reach over and not from solid positions where he typically does well against big centers. Been battled against like Valanchunas, who has a stronger base. But it's it's this ultimate catch twenty two. You need him, but on the other end, it, it's causing problems. I don't know. Uh, if I'm Quinn and staff, right? Like I'm going through every every option. M- my concerns are more on the offensive end for the Jazz. Like, find a way to deliver the ball to a playmaker in freedom and do it before that little zone layer gets Donovan shooting bad shots, working extra hard to get his 37. I mean, one thing that's evident, we're seeing the greatness of a 24-year-old who who really has had little help offensively. Clarkson, in games one and two, I thought was good. Last night, he wasn't great. He himself frustrated into some bad shot selections and you know confidence is on the side of the Clippers now I'm not saying it can't be overcome the home crowd's going to be amazing Donovan has delivered in this building jazz players have played well in this building there's a reason they were 52 and 20 game five is step up time it really is my buddies were telling me whoever wins game four wins the series well clearly whoever wins tomorrow night wins the series so how much is it involved as far as adjustments being technical and analytical versus heart and determination and those types of things? In this case, I think more technical. But that's my opinion. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't speak for the staff. And, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to come out and play hard. They're, they're going to come out with everything. Adrenaline will be flowing Right, They're, the crowd's going to be behind them. Uh, it's it's going to be rocking, and that's going to be amazing. And that will have the adverse effect on Clipper ancillary players. You know, do Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson make all their shots tomorrow night in front of eighteen thousand at Vivint? So that remains to be seen. You figure the way Leonard and George are now playing, they're probably going to show up. I know Leonard will. I kind of think George will after watching him the last two games. He feels looks like a different guy. Looks like he's figured something out with those slow motion Euro steps and getting his body into people. He looks really looks like he's doing it with ease. But DJ, I think it's technical. I think there's got to be a release point. If there's no change, right? If there's no change to what you're doing offensively, you're going to see what you saw last night. See, I think they really frustrated I, I, the Jazz offense, and the Jazz offense was so effective all season long, right? But it's based on screen assists by Gobert. It's based on multiple playmakers. One of the problems is this layer of defense and this sub-layer by the Clippers is eliminating dribble penetration by an Ingles, by a Clarkson. Watch how perimeter-based the attack is. That's what's frustrating. They're starting... 30 feet away, make it 35 feet away. And the Clippers, that's just kind of like adding to their fuel. And they're like, okay, let's pick them up 
even closer to half court. Mike, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for joining us, and we will all be watching Game 5. It is intriguing. Thanks for hopping on the air. You got it, as I will. Go Jazz. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The worst part about all of this is all of these players are cheating. The Astros cheated to win a World Series, and Pete Rose is still out of the Hall of Fame for betting on someone else's games. Where's the justice in this? I love Mike Conley, but you know what? No matter how much I love him, no matter how good he is, if you're not playing, you're not helping us. I'm ready to move on. Too many missed games. If this team is great, we got to see how they respond after we just got punched in the face uh, over two-game period. What do you think, Quinn? That's great. (laughs) Using your kid as the punchline. Well played. Uh, Time for your feedback. Leonard and Paul are starting to gel. The Clippers up their intensity. The Jazz exposed more. Team needs Conley on the court. It do, yeah. I feel a lot of frustration with Conley not playing. It reminds me of the Phoenix area with Kevin Johnson. You know, very explosive, great player. But, man, he was just out so much. So uh, is it in Carlos Boozer territory? I always thought Boozer held the record for – Best player, most games missed, most frustration, that combination. Did he miss playoff games, though? Because nobody cares. Uh, Not not that I remember. I think it's the regular season stretches, you know. They missed the playoffs because he missed regular season games. That was probably the frustration. But that's a fair comparison. And he doesn't have a high enough profile for um, Barkley to call him street clothes. Rennie says, well... Got to accept the bashing and the put-downs we're getting from the national media. The Jazz have played, and then the poop emoji these last two games. Like poo-poo? Yeah. Oh, that's probably what I get. Yes, right. Thank you. Well done. Yes. (laughs) I couldn't put that together. Because there's two emojis. Oh, okay. You didn't even see it, and yet you sensed it. Yes. The Jazz narrowly beat the Clippers in two games in Utah, in which the Clippers didn't play great. Then they basically got blown out in both games in L.A. If Conley doesn't come back quick, the Jazz are in trouble. Game five is probably a must-win. I, I can it, agree with I think it that. Is, I think it is for the Jazz. I don't think it is for the Clippers because they were down 3-2 in the last series. For sure. Difference being they don't have seven at home. No, but it, when you're down 3-2, you got one home, one away. Now, it's different order. I get that. Right, but you're, it's a different order, and the complexion, your superstar just has the game of his life in Game 6. And then Game 7, you're at home, you got all the mo, mm-hmm. and a, a role player like Morris goes off. Does a role player like Morris go off on the road in Game well, 6? I would assume that what happens is your whole team plays well in Game 6, and then your superstar has the game of his life in Game 7. But that, would, that would be the more likely, and that'd be different than what happened in Dallas because they don't have home court in this series. Let's bury. Let's spend all day tomorrow burying this team. <laughs> How about Rudy specifically? Whomever, yeah, really. But you know, just say you guys can't do it, and then they they show us all. If you could only pick one, 
If I told you game five, Rudy could go for, uh, you hate 2020 games, so I'll pick a 2020 game. 20 boards, 20 points. Or Kawhi goes for 21 and Leonard goes for 23. Which would you pick? Gobert. Oh, really? He goes for 2020, they win. Because he brings so much emotion, particularly at home, because a good portion of those 2020 uh, 20 points anyway are going to be dunks yeah. and the crowd feeds off they feed off they feed off dunks in general and they feed off Rudy in particular so if you got both yeah he's it's not bedlam he's not taking 15 foot face ups or uh, sky hooks he's taking dunks alright we are out of time Scotty G coming up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone see you tomorrow